Well, if you have your Bibles, your iPad, your phone, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36. We're going to begin there in a minute. But I just want to let you know, you might have seen on social media that this morning we are kicking off a brand new series called Bridges. This is a series about relationships. You know, as you think about bridges, bridges are built to connect two different pieces of land, right? Typically over a body of water, bridges are used to connect two different pieces of land. And in time, bridges get old and they get damaged. And if they are not repaired, they are no longer safe to use, right? And the two different pieces of land become disconnected until the repairs are made. If you remember just, I want to say it was uh, just last year, then the last year, they had a major storm. They had some flooding in the Houston area and that huge barge uh, knocked out, you know, damaged part of that bridge and it was impassable on Interstate 10 right there. Also, I think about in wartime, you know, if you, I love history, I was thinking, I'm not a prime timer, but I'd love to go to the World War II Museum, right? I mean, I love history and all the documentaries and war movies you've seen a lot of times in war times, one of the main things they would do is they would blow up or burn down a bridge to where the, the, the bridge was impassable to, to connect or go from one piece of land to another. So I have a question for you this morning. In light of that, why we're calling it bridges, are you building are working to repair the relationships in your life, or are you damaging and destroying them? Because we're either doing one of the two. We're either building and repairing, or we're destroying and burning them down. In this 22nd chapter of the book of Matthew, some Pharisees approach Jesus with a huge question. In Matthew 22, 36, they said this, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? In all the law, what's the most important? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The Lord Jesus said that loving God and loving other people is the greatest and most important commandment. Why is that? Because both of them deal with with our relationships, right? He says, love the Lord your God. You can't love someone that you're not in relationship with, right? I mean, you can, you can say, oh, I love Drew Brees or whatever, you know, but, you know, we love him because he's a great quarterback, right? But we don't have that, a, a personal relationship. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And in the context of this, you got to see, because the Pharisees were so caught up in the law, in the do's or don't. What, master, what's the, what do we need to do? What do we need to stop doing? What's, and they were actually, if you read the context, they were trying to trip him. They were trying to trick him and trip him up to say something that they can accuse him of. And they were, they were, they would dissect every part of the law. But Jesus said, the most important thing is to focus on your relationship with God and your relationship with others. That's what he was saying. Are y'all tracking with me? So let's go ahead and pray over our time in the word now. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we read, as we, as we get into your word. Help us to increase our love and relationship with you and our love and relationships with others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In this series, we're going to focus on our relationships we have with other people in every area of our life. You know, relationships get shallow and even boring. We may live together, work together, or go to church together, but then we drift apart. We lose the excitement and the energy we once had with one another. And I see this time and time again. It, it, it's so evident. Just a, um, just a couple of, about a week ago, my wife and I went, went out to have brunch. 
And, and we're, we're already sitting down at the table and we ordered and we're just, we're just talking. And a, another couple walked in and they walked right into the restaurant and they sat down. And the first thing they did was take out their phones and start scrolling on their phones before they even started communicating with one another. Have you ever seen that? Maybe you're that couple sometimes. And I begin to think, why is that? And I think sometimes because you know what? The excitement of being out and being alone, if, if you, you know, you like us and you have children, man, it's a blessing to get away with your spouse and sit down and get face to face and have some undistracted time. But it may be that they lost the excitement or the, 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 the energy, so to speak, that they once had in their relationship. We see it quite often, people sitting across from one another and facing each other. It may be the sign of a stale relationship. Now, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about how to work towards restoring broken relationships. But today, I'm not necessarily talking about restoring broken relationships. Although, if you apply these things I'm about to say, they will help with that as well. I want to help you to revitalize all the relationships in your life that may have become shallow, stale, and maybe even lifeless. Maybe you you think, as I say, that you have one relationship, or maybe you have a few to say, man, I could use some revitalization in my relationships. Well, if that's you today, I want to try to help you. You can revitalize every relationship with three simple principles that I want to give you today. Number one, learn to listen better. Learn to listen better. James 1.19 says this, and a lot of y'all are familiar with this scripture. I, I, I want to read it in the Amplified. It says this, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone be quick to hear. Now, I love how the Amplified defines what that means. Be a careful, thoughtful listener. And then it goes on to say, be slow to speak and slow to get angry. You see that? Be quick to hear, a careful and thoughtful listener, and be slow to speak. How many of y'all have heard, probably since you were a kid, that God has given us one mouth and two ears, right? How many times, any parents ever used to tell you that? So we're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. Now, for people like me, that's very difficult to do. If you know me, you know that's very difficult to listen more than to talk. So I am talking to myself. If you notice, I said, learn to listen. Like I got some friends over here laughing at me because they know that I, I enjoy talking, right? And so we have to learn to listen better. You know, he says, be quick to hear. There's a beautiful illustration of this truth that we find in the life of King David in 2 Samuel 23. David was hiding from the Philistines who were in possession of Bethlehem at the time. They were in the midst of a battle and he longed for a drink of cool water from the well in Bethlehem, a well that he had often visited in his boyhood and his youth. Now, he did not issue a command to any of his men. He simply said this, if only someone would bring me a water or bring me water to drink from the well at the city of the gate of Bethlehem. Three of his mighty men heard their king sigh for water and they risked their lives to secure the water to bring to him. Y'all familiar with that story? You can go read it, 2 Samuel 23. What did they do? They were quick to hear. He didn't give a command. He just longed, man, if only I can have, if somebody can go grab me a bottle of Dasani, that would be awesome. No, that, that, you know, they, they, they listened to their master, to their beloved king. They were listening to his desires and they ran and risked their lives, the Bible says, to bring him water. Now, if you read the rest of the story, David ended up not even drinking the water. He poured it out as an offering to them. Now, if I was those three guys, I'd be like, really, man? I just, <laughs> that's besides the point, but really, 
They were quick to hear. And that's what we need to do. You know, when you're in a conversation with someone that you love, sometimes you have to go deeper than the surface of what somebody's saying. And I believe this is supernatural. This is something that, again, the Holy Spirit has to help us with. But again, if the Bible tells us to do it, he will always help us to accomplish it, right? So we must be quick to hear. We need to be quiet and focus on the person talking to us. When you become bored with your spouse or friend or coworker, you hear them, but you're not listening to him. Isn't that right? How many of y'all have heard your spouse or parents say that? You, 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 you heard what I said, but you're not listening to me. How many of y'all, did you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I heard you, baby, I heard you. And then she comes back, hey, why you didn't do what I just asked you to do? I thought you said you heard me. I, I did, but I wasn't listening, right? And that happens when we're distracted on our phones or TV or something. But sometimes we do that when we're face to face. If you're like me, you can be dead locked into the eyes of somebody across from you and your your mind is 20 miles away. You ever been there? I'm already thinking about 18 other things. And she's like, hello, hello. Lights are on, but nobody's home, right? We got to be quick to hear. When we do this, we miss details and we fail to get to the point. And then when we're not truly listening, you think you know everything they're going to say before they say it, and then sometimes you cut them off. Well, let me say, a lot of times I cut them off. I, I, I am so guilty of this where I'm talking to somebody and I think I know where they're going or what they're saying, and so I cut them off and try to either give them some advice, a reply, or try to finish their sentence. You ever been there? I know I have, and I'm, I'm so guilty of doing this, and I've had to apologize many times. That's why I say, listen, I'm preaching to myself today, and you can just sit in and take notes if you like. I, this is one of the biggest things I need help with is to learn to be a better listener. Listen, y'all, a person is an endless well. They have experiences, thoughts, memories, opinions, dreams, and talents you have not begun to tap into yet even if you've been married to him for 20 years. There's things you may not know about your spouse because maybe the relationship needs to be revitalized. Maybe it's just the same old, same old. Talk about work, talk about the bills, talk about the kids and what we're having for dinner and what we're doing this weekend. But listen, I want to encourage you to begin to listen. Be, Be a better listener. Here's a few practical tips. Sit up straight, look in their eyes, lean in, And listen, prepare to discover something amazing about every single person in your life. Just as we talk about coming to church with expectation, why don't you go into every relationship and conversation with expectation? Instead of thinking that we know what they're going to say or what they're feeling, let's go in there like it's an adventure, like it's a a journey. Man, what are they going to say? What am I going to learn about my friend, my spouse, my coworker, my neighbor today? that I thought I knew, but maybe I didn't, if we stop and learn to listen. Here's another one, and I'm going to just step on everybody's toes here. Get off your phone and listen to the person sitting in front of you. Get off your phone, put your phone down, and listen to the person that's sitting right in front of you. Listen, Pastor Elias Stocksdale said this, and I think this this is powerful. If you play video games, surf the web, or look at Instagram while a person is talking to you, it is the height of rejection for them. It is the height of rejection. And, and, and it's true. I've been guilty of it and I've felt it before trying to talk to my spouse or somebody else. And I'm like, Hey, Hey, you know, you're talking, you're engaged in a conversation. This thing beeps or buzzes and you pick it up. We need to put down our phones 
and, 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 and be engaged with one another. Matter of fact, just last night, my wife and I were, 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 uh, went grab a bite to eat. We had some friends that just had a baby and we went visit the baby and then we went grab a bite to eat. And we were actually talking about somebody at a church that, uh, you know, and she was telling me, she was, I said, man, do I know her? Do I? She's like, yeah, if you see, you probably will. I said, you, you have her on Facebook, Instagram. And, and she said, yeah. I said, can you look her up real quick? And she just paused and said, oh, you don't want to do that right now. Huh? She's like, no, I don't. I'm like, all right, moving on. Look it up later. Both our phones were away, but I'm thinking, well, we're t- this is part of our conversation. But see, she realized and understand, no, if I pull out that phone and get on Facebook or Instagram, we're going to be on a rabbit trail there. Let's, let's keep, you know, let's keep the, the, the conversation going. So listen, y'all, let's learn to listen. Put down your phone. Silence your phone. Put it in another room if you have to. If you're going on a date with your spouse, if you're in a meeting at work and everything in between, let's pray to ask the Lord to help us to learn to listen better. If we do just this, our relationships will get better. Just this, just that we could close in prayer right here and our relationships will get better. But I only have two more points. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you as well. Number two, be empathetic. Be empathetic. Have empathy for people. Look at Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, become imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. As well-beloved children, Imitate their father and walk continuously in love. Now, here we go. That word love, he describes it again in the Amplified. That is, value one another, practice empathy and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best for others. Just as Christ who loved you and gave himself up for you, an offering and sacrifice to God. Empathy is identifying with and entering to the feelings of others, their disappointments, their pain, their rejection, etc. See, dry, stale, lifeless relationships have lost all of their empathy. <clears throat> there is no sense of feeling, concern, compassion for what the other person is going through. But listen, you can change that. You can change that if you learn and pray and ask the Lord to help you to be empathetic. To feel not sympathetic, being empathetic, sensing and feeling what somebody's going through. When somebody's around you and their heart's breaking, your heart begins to break for them. That's what empathy is. And it's a close cousin to compassion, right? Here's a few tips. As you listen for a good while, talking about the first point, we stop and listen for a while. The person you are engaged with is going to mention a problem in their life eventually, probably. Whether it's physical, financial, a job, marriage, parenting, or a host of other challenges, you can move in and let them see that you care. Not just telling them that you care, but letting them see that you care. You know, you've heard me, Pastor Todd, many of us say it a lot of the times. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Listen, don't give everyone advice. Give them empathy. Don't give everyone advice. Give them empathy. I've been guilty of this too, of doing this, where I'm, you know, somebody's telling me problems, their heart's breaking, and I want to jump in there, especially my wife. And for many years, I I tried to fix it. My wife's pouring out her heart, and I'm like, I'm giving her a three-point message of what she needs to do to fix it. And she sat there and told me more than one time, I don't need you to preach to me. I just need you to listen to me. And just try to understand what I'm going through. Listen to me, number one. Be empathetic with me. And I've learned that. I've learned that, you know what? I don't have to have all the answers. I just need to be there. And when my wife or a beloved friend or one of you guys are crying, I can just sit there and say, man, I'm so sorry you're going through that. 
man, I love you. Offer to hug them, pray for them, whatever. That's what empathy is. It's not putting, and look, for guys, this is hard for us, right? A lot of us guys, we're Mr. Fix-its, right? We want to like, baby, I'm trying to help you. I'm going to help you fix this situation. She don't want you to fix her right now. Just be empathetic. Answering people's fears or failures before they even describe them is actually rude. Engage with them the moment their feelings start to come out and seek to feel what they are feeling before giving advice. Because this is the thing, if you're empathetic with people, eventually they might ask you, man, what should I do in this situation? But don't give advice first. Be empathetic first. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Remember the Apostle Paul said, when we love others and show empathy and compassion to them, we are imitating God. Remember, let's go back to Ephesians 5.1. I want to focus on that. We're being Christ-like when we do this. Therefore, become imitators of God, copy him and follow his example. As well-beloved children, imitate their father and walk continuously in love. That is, value one another, practice empathy and compassion. He said, you're imitating God. You're imitating God by doing this. Just as children follow their parents' example... Believers should follow the Lord's example. And we see here in, in, if you, in, in, in Hebrews 4.15 where it shows how the Lord Jesus has empathy for all of us in everything we're going through. Look at that in, in Hebrews 4.14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. You see that? Our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is able to empathize with, with us and everything that we go through. So this is just a, an encouragement. Even when you have people around you that may be not being able to empathize with you right now, the Lord always will be able to. You, we think, man, he's, but he's Jesus. He probably never went through this. The Bible makes it clear that he has, right? Is that what your Bible says too? Everything we've gone through, temptations, hurts, disappointments, all of these things, Jesus came down in human form. He emptied himself of his God priorities so that he could walk amongst us as human beings to understand exactly what we go through. Yet he was filled with the Holy Spirit without limit. So listen, ask the Lord to help you to feel the hurt and pain of others. You know, as I was preparing this message, I began to think about a brother in the church that just recently uh, I saw and he shared with me um, how he was able to experience empathy. And I called and asked permission if I can share. I'm not going to use his name. But it was just last weekend for Freedom Weekend. It was for one of the altar ministry times. And, and this 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 uh, altar was full. And he was working as an usher. And we had the ladies. If you wasn't here, the ladies would come on this side. And the men would come on this side. And and um, as the ladies were getting ministered to, he's an usher. So he's just there to, to help with whatever they need. You know, So he's just in the back there and ready to give Kleenex or whatever the case may be. And and after I finished praying with some guys, I came, I met him right about here. And he said, man, you feel that? And I was like, feel what? <laughs> and I really, and he was, he's like, man, I could feel what these ladies are going through. He said, it's like, man, I just, and he's, he's tearing up. He's starting to cry because you had a few ladies up here still getting ministered to and they're crying and they're broken. And my brother just had empathy on him. He could feel their pain, had no idea what they were going through. But he's like, man, I just, the Lord's helping me to just see and feel what they're going through. And he's sitting there interceding for them and praying for them. That's empathy, y'all. 
Didn't even hear one word of what was going on, but he could see the pain and feel the hurt of these ladies. And, and they didn't even know. He was right there, not only working as an usher, but he was interceding for them. And how many of y'all know that's a powerful prayer when it's backed with empathy? When there's true empathy, that's, that, that's, that intercession that my brother uh, lifted up to the Lord, I know was powerful. So we need to learn to listen better. And also, we need to be empathetic. The third and final thing is we need to be ready to receive feedback in relationships. Now, this is a huge one. Some of y'all are checking out right now. Be ready to receive feedback. Look at what Proverbs 27, 6 says, and I hope you don't check out. Wounds made by a friend are intended to help, but an enemy's kisses are too much to bear. Listen, y'all, when a spouse, a friend, or a loved one gives you feedback, it may hurt, but you got to understand they're just trying to help. They're just trying to help. And we all know that. When someone you love gives you some feedback, a little bit of constructive criticism, it usually doesn't feel good, right, Jay? It usually don't feel good, right? It's like, oh, thank you for just exposing all of my weaknesses and issues right now. Uh, that's usually not our, our, our first response, right? It, it's a little hard to receive feedback from others, but this is a big one, y'all. A person whom you listen to and then empathize with will eventually feel comfortable to give you some feedback. They will tell you what they think about you, and it may, they may mention little things that both bother them and bless them. It might not all be negative feedback, right? It might be some positive feedback. But you know what? The feedback that's going to help us the most is usually the one that doesn't feel the best. <laughs> That's why it says the wounds made by a friend are intended to help. But an enemy's kisses, like what that means is somebody's always telling you, you're the man, you're the woman, you're doing great, you're awesome, man, you know. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, no, man, you, you're great, you, you know. And if people are, that really the context of that scripture is that is an enemy has alternative motives to keep puffing you up. But a friend, the Bible says, a true friend, and we can say somebody that truly loves you, a spouse, a friend, a, a co-worker, somebody that really cares, you know what, it may hurt, but they're trying to help you. An enemy that has alternative motives, they, they, they're really trying to cause you to fall. We need to receive feedback. Pastor Larry also says this, feedback, I love this, feedback is the highest fruit of a committed relationship. That is good right there. Feedback is the highest fruit of com a committed relationship. If you're able to receive feedback from somebody that you love, somebody that loves you, it's the highest fruit that can happen. Listen, companies crave this. They respond and implement changes. They see it as a pathway to improvement. So why don't we? Companies seek this out. They're always seeking. Give us feet, right? When you go to a restaurant or you go to, even me and Pastor Ty was at a conference this week, and, and um, they, they, before we left, the last two sessions, they gave us a card to fill out. How are we doing? Tell us what we can change. And it said on there, Please be honest, right? You know, you go to restaurants or companies all the time, and they're constantly wanting feedback on how to improve. They, they crave it. They look for it. But we don't do that, right? Or most of us don't. Maybe you're, you know, th thank you, Kyle. I appreciate you being honest. Some of us, you know, just may, may welcome it. But a lot of times, we stiff arm it. Why? Because it doesn't feel good. Or because, honestly, the root of a lot of stiff arming feedback is pride. It's really what it is. We're like, I can't believe you would tell me that. But you know what? People are trying to help us. Thank your friend or your spouse for their feedback. Others may be thinking it, 
but they have the courage to say it. Let me go and say, say this. Most people are thinking it, <laughs> and they have the courage to say it, right? They're going to help you. You know, a matter of fact, at that, and I, I feel bad. I feel like I fell short here. At that, at that conference, I was eating dinner with a brother. I met another pastor from another church, and he was eating, and he had a, had a beard. And as he was eating, he had a lot of food in his beard, and I was like, I probably should have helped the brother out. There wasn't a lot of us in the room, but I didn't know him that good. I didn't want to be like, hey, man, you got a little something right there. You know, it's just like there's only a couple of us in there. And really, the other two people were with him from his church, you know, and most people had gone. But I should have gave him some feedback. But you see, I didn't have that that rapport with him, right? I didn't know if he would. I was like, ah, oh, he'll see it when he goes to his room and see he goes in the mirror, right? I mean, so, now, nah, if he was about to get up to preach, I would have helped the brother out, okay? There was only a few of us in there, and again, we were, he was about to turn in for the night. So, I mean, uh, again, it was all on the grounds. We were eating on the grounds where we were staying. So, um, but listen, feedback will, will definitely help us. People see it, but, but the ones that love us have the courage. You gotta remember this. And you've heard, probably heard Pastor Larry say this as well, man. I, you know, I, I got a, a lot of the stuff from him's good stuff that he's heard him talk about it. When somebody criticizes you, I mean, some, sorry, somebody gives you feedback, they're not criticizing or attacking you. They're trying to help change and adjust you. Go from thinking uh, they're attacking me to they're adjusting me, especially for husbands and wives. She's not attacking you, she's adjusting you, and vice versa. When, the first time we heard Pastor Larry said it, it was, I don't know if it was, I think it was at a marriage conference, and uh, we were sitting back there. Now, we hear that, so now my wife and I, and, and as we communicate, um, we'll say, hey, can I adjust you real quick? <laughs> you know, so they know, like, we know that it's, it's something's coming, and that we have a little word, like, I just want to, I want to help adjust you, is that Okay. And so it's like, all right, yes, yes, what, what's going on, you know? And we know, like, hey, I'm not trying to attack you. I love you. I'm for you. Let me just help uh, give you some feedback here. I mean, in the simple things, right? Don't you want to know if your hair's sticking up? Don't you want to know if you got, you know, food in your beard like this guy, you know? Again, I'm, you know, I fell short there. Or, I mean, again, just the most simplest, and it's kind of gross, but when your breath stinks, don't you want your spouse to tell you, right? Because this is the thing. Your, your spouse is going home with you, and they're still going to kiss you later that night. Somebody you don't know or might, they might be really turned off by, you know, your morning breath. So this was one, this was a big one for me. I used to, sitting on the, about to preach, sitting in church, my wife would, would like, hey, you, you want a mint? And I'd be like, you know, it kind of, because I would, the, again, the roots pride, I was embarrassed that my breath stunk. But then I realized, you know what, I'd much rather my wife ask me if I want a piece of gum instead of going pray for one of y'all and, and my breath stinking. Aren't y'all thankful for my wife's feedback? Come on, somebody. She's helping y'all out too, not only me, right? I realized, listen, I'm not offended by that. And now when she offers me a gum or a mint, I'm like, do I need one? And she's like, oh, no, no, I was just offering it, you know? So sometimes it's like, is it a need or is it just you're just being sweet and want to offer me a gum? But listen, I know that's the simplest thing, but y'all, that's great feedback. Don't you want to know, right? If your hair's sticking up, your collar's flipped up, you got a tag hanging out somewhere, right? So it's good to get feedback. Listen. The benefits of feedback are clear. Our relationships are richer, our self-esteem more secure, and we learn more. We learn more about ourselves. We can grow more. In the workplace, treating feedback as not something to be endured, but something to be actively sought can be can have a profound impact. Feedback-seeking behavior, as it's called in research literature, has been linked to higher job satisfaction, greater creativity on the job, faster adaptation in a new organizational role, and lower turnover. 
So the more you can receive feedback from your supervisor, your higher-ups, or even your coworkers, better chance you have of growing in that company. Basically, and, and you could, you can become more creative. You know, you can, you know, you can flourish in your job. Research also shows that seeking out negative feedback is associated with higher performance ratings. So if you get evaluated at work and whatnot, if you seek it out and say, Hey, man, can you let me know how I'm doing? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Can you, can you tell me what's going on in my life? What's going on? I mean, in my, in my job, on the job, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing? Actually, if you get evaluated, if you begin to seek out feedback, your evaluations chances are probably going to go up if you implement the things that they're telling you about. Now, in personal relationships, our ability to deal with complaints, requests, and coaching from our friends and loved ones is crucial. Marriage researcher John Gottman has found that a person's willingness to uh, and ability to accept feedback and input from their spouse is a key predictor of a healthy, stable marriage. So if you're able to receive feedback from your spouse, the more you can receive it and implement it, better chance you are of having a healthy marriage. Remember, we're talking about revitalizing our relationships, right? If you have a stale marriage, if you have a, a, a lifeless marriage, a kind of boring marriage, maybe it's time to open yourself up to some feedback. Maybe even to that point, ask your spouse, I feel like our, our marriage is not the same as it used to be. And, and Pastor Ty is going to get into marriage next week. And, you know, maybe it's not like it, 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 it used to be. What's going on? What do you think is going on? Is it me? Am I doing something or not doing something? Now, I know this is hard, but do you want to have a healthier, more stable marriage? Amen. Well, at least two people want to have a healthier marriage. <laughs> open yourself up. Not only open, but actually actively seek it out. So listen, here's an action step for you. Make at least one change a friend, coworker, or spouse suggests that you implement this week. I'm trying to give you something to go home with. Implement one thing. If your spouse, and you know what the truth is, is that you don't have to wait. If you're, if you're really courageous, you can go home today and ask your spouse, hey, give me some feedback. What is one thing that I could work on this week that I can change, that I can maybe do to help our marriage? You can continue it on tomorrow. Go to work tomorrow. Talk to a coworker, maybe your supervisor. Hey, what is one thing that I can change, that I can do different or do better to help me and my performance at work in the overall company? Listen, y'all, let's be teachable. Amen? Let's not be unteachable. And thank them for the tip. If you remember, they're not attacking you. They're adjusting you. They're not criticizing you. They're trying to help change you. When you go into it with that mindset, you not only receive it, but you can actually thank them. Like, man, they have my back. They're looking out for me, right? So again, I want to challenge you to make every relationship in your life better with these three principles. If you try these simple steps this week, I believe that your, your relationships will change. Learn to listen better. Be empathetic. Be ready to receive feedback. Ask the Lord to help you. Again, you can see the Lord relates. He has empathy. Again, everything, when we talk about doing things, every time, I, want you, I don't want you to think, okay, I'm, I'm giving you some, um, what is it, some self-help tips. That's not what I'm doing. I'm asking you to look at what the Bible says and ask the Lord to help you to do these, right? Ask the Lord to help you and see if your relationships don't change. All of them. This will go across the board for whatever relationship that you're in with your children as well. Learn to listen to your children, right? Even learn to, to get feedback. Now, that might be hard for a lot of people. What, my, from my children? Yes, from your children. Because you know what? Children are brutally honest. 
they will give you some feedback, right? Right? And I understand. I'm not saying they can be disrespectful and all that. That's what I'm saying. But you know what? I, it's good to get feedback, to learn to listen, and to be empathetic to everyone. I believe this is the Lord's heart. Why? If it's in his word, it's his will. And we read that all three of these are found in God's holy word in the Bible. So as we close today, I just want to ask you, what has the Lord spoken to you today? Out of these three things, as you think about your relationship, what is it that the Lord has spoken to you in one of these areas? What, what area could you change to help revitalize your marriage? You know, I started out by reading that Jesus called the two uh, greatest commandments that, that you must, the two were, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, Right? So this whole time, I've been focused on relationships with others, with our neighbors. So I want to close with a question. How's your relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God at all? If you don't, you can begin one with him today. The Lord Jesus Christ has made a way that we can all be in a right relationship with God the Father. Romans 5, 18 and 19 says this. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness, look at this, brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. What was that one act? Well, we read it early in Ephesians 5, 2. Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God. Christ gave himself up on the cross to be sacrificed for our sins. So what do you need to do today? If you're not in the right relationship with God, Acts 3.19 makes it clear. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. The Bible makes it clear it's sin that separates us from God. Just like we talked about, there's a lot of things that could separate us from our relationship with others, but it's our sin the Bible said that keeps us from a right relationship with God. The good news is Jesus made a way to build a bridge between us and God. And it was the cross. He died on that cross over 2,000 years ago to make a way to have a bridge that connects us with God the Father. So not only do, because the, the word repent means to turn away from but he says, repent of your sin. You're turning away and then you're turning to God. But I don't want you to think just turn to God like look to God. Turn your life over to God. Surrender your life to God Almighty today. Your creator who loves you so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross in your place. Would you do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are this morning? If you would say, you know, Brandon... I got to work on some relationships and we are going to pray about that in a minute. But if you would say, Brandon, I got some relationships, but man, the biggest relationship I need to work on or begin today is my relationship with God. Maybe you've sensed that you've known it. You maybe haven't read these scriptures, but you just knew you could tell you've been separated from God. And you didn't know that Jesus built a bridge to connect you to. Today, if you say, Brandon, I don't know, or really, I do know that I'm not in a right relationship with God, but I want to start that relationship with God. I want him to forgive me of my sins, and I want to begin today. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Say, Brandon, that's the biggest relationship I need to work on. I see your hands over here, ma'am. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. See hands going up over here, too. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Say, man, I need a right relationship with God. Sir, I see your hand in the back over there. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? 
I see your hand. Thank you, sir. Right here in the middle. Hands still going up. Thank you, Lord. This is the that's why Jesus said, look, I see your hand over here, sir. Love the Lord your God first. First relationship we need to get right. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you for all those that raised your hand. The Bible makes it clear. He says, repent of your sins and then turn to God. Surrender your life over to God like you have your life in your hands and you're handing it over to the Lord. And I'll just lead you in a simple prayer to do that. It's a prayer of faith. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You'll be saved and become a right relationship with God. So we're all going to pray this to brother, together. And those that lifted your hands, just pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for building a bridge between me and the Father. Now today, Lord, I ask that you forgive me of my sins and change my heart today. Lord, I look to you and I make you my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. I surrender all to you in Jesus' name. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Why don't we rejoice with these that just made that decision. If you made that decision online as well, those of you tuning in online, we, we rejoice with you and congratulations. Listen, if you, if you made that decision, there's a card in the pew in front of you that says, I made a decision. Fill that card out. It takes you maybe a minute to do. Bring it to the info center on your way out. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. We want to help you with that. Now, for everybody else, while you're still seated, I'll release you here in a minute. Just bow your head with me one more time. And, and, and has the Lord showed you what area that you can work on to revitalize your relationships? I just want to pray over you. If you say, Brandon, yeah, that's me. I need to listen better. Or, you know what, I, I need to be more empathetic. I need to learn to receive feedback. I just want to pray with you. If you believe one of these three things, nobody look around, just lift up your hands and I want to pray with you today. Father, I pray for these, Lord God, that have been bold enough to lift their hands and say, I got work to do in my relationship. Lord, I got both of my hands up. I know I can work on all three of these. Lord, and I just pray that today you give us the grace that we need. Give us the strength, Lord Jesus, to do all of these, to be better listeners, to be careful, thoughtful listeners. God, give us empathy, Lord. Help us to be compassionate like you were, Lord Jesus. Fill us with the empathy and compassion of Christ just as you were, Lord God. When your heart broke for the crowds and the people that were hurting, give us that heart, Lord God, that breaks for people and that relates to people. And then, Lord, help us to receive feedback that we can learn and we can grow, Lord God. Help us to apply these to our lives today as we leave, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me and I'll pray a blessing over you as you leave. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for these today. I pray grace, blessings, peace, power, and provision to be upon everyone as they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy this wonderful weather. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be at the altar to pray with you. Have a great day.